0: I promise you guys glad to be in the house of God this weekend Woo! I was glad when they said let us go to the house Lord this is my favorite time of the week We so look forward to being with you guys. We love you. Welcome to all of our campuses from Campbell and Anderson and North and Blunt, our Pellissippi campus, our Internet campus, our Costa Rican campus, and Godbound Bars. We love you guys. Man, we're thrilled to get to worship y'all this weekend, man. We're just so excited about what God is doing over there. Now, this may be your first time. It may be your thousandth time. You picked a great time to come to church, and if you're new, you picked really what would be one of the best series for you to come, and and the reason I say that is you're going to get a couple of things. One, we believe that you're going to get a glimpse into the heart of Jesus, and number two, you're going to get a glimpse into the heart of what God is doing at Faith Promise, what we do and why we do it. And so it is critical that you get a hold of that. If you're looking, you want your life to count, you really want to be a part of something that's bigger, that's making a difference, then can I tell you, you have found it because God is doing a work at Faith Promise, and we're just thrilled to be a part and watch it. And so we pray for you guys, especially during this series called Heart for the Harvest. And in our Heart for the Harvest season, we talk about miracles. At the end of this message, we're going to be praying at all of our campuses for physical healings. Uh, so we'll have stations all around with elders and prayer team and staff, and we're going to be praying for people we've done in all the services so far. Uh, we do that at the end of a four-week series. This is our second weekend. If you missed last weekend, I really want to encourage you to go podcast it. Go to our app or website, and you can see it preach that message to the top of a mountain some unbelievable stories that were told inside that sermon uh, from some folks that fed promise and and it just'll be great if you see that you'll you'll understand more what we're doing at the end of the series we we do what the Bible calls a free will offering and that offering is all about the vision it is all about funding the kingdom of God and advancing the vision because we are a no building campaign church. You know, we used to do pledge for three years and all that stuff. We actually have stopped that. We started doing Heart for the Harvest about seven years ago when we lost our Blunt County campus. And we have built all of our campuses except Pellissippi through Heart for the Harvest. All of them, whether it be Costa Rica or all of those, God behind bars, all of those were built with that heart for the harvest offering, and so we do that. If you were here last week, you saw all, most of our campus pastors were were on were at a, one of our services in Pellissippi so that all the campuses could see them. I mean just run back a little, just give you a couple little nugget of the last seven years and a few of the things that we've done. Nobody remembers them all; they're not written down in any one place. So, just a couple things. One of the things that I loved is that we funded 200 churches in Pakistan. And I don't know about you, but I think that's a great thing to get the gospel in Pakistan. We built a a swimming pool in the inner city of Knoxville for kids who would have no opportunity to learn to swim. We built two orphanages in Haiti after the earthquake. We built other orphanages in South Africa and others. We launched our God Behind Bars through the Heart for the Harvest of last year. We we're able to fund and provide everything for that campus at Bledsoe County. Uh, we built a we built a center at the Jamaica Deaf Village with a couple of our missionaries in this church, the Buchamers. Uh, to train people who, after they graduate the deaf school, so that they can uh, be employed, and, and that was a great win. Uh, so, it, it, just so many other things. Now, last year, our focus was the Godvine Bars at the men's side of Bledsoe County and a Lenore City campus. Now. The Lenore City campus did not happen. And people say, hey, I gave last year. I wanted to go to Lenore City. We didn't build that. I know we didn't. We've looked everywhere we can look. We've gone to the school system. We've gone to talk to the new uh, center they're building, the new convention center. We have looked at every empty building in Lenore City and around Lenore City and have not been able to, be able to find location. We still have the money. We're still planning on launching that campus, but we're not going to put it under a tree because you won't come under a tree. And so we're not gonna do that, we're looking for a location. And really, it was a grievous error on my part because I said the expectation we're gonna provide, everybody was excited, we all gave money, and then it didn't happen. My bad, My I, listen, I assume all responsibility. What I should have said was this, we're looking for seven locations at Faith Promise for our next seven locations. What I should have said, but I didn't say it's what I should have said, Therefore, people's feelings wouldn't be heard. And Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And people that want to be over there, people stop me all the time and say, when are you coming to North City? As soon as we find a location. But we're also now looking at Farragut. We're looking at East Knoxville. We're looking at South Knoxville. We're looking to get back at UT. We're looking at Sevier County, Rhone County. We've looked at Jeffco. We're looking to build a dream center, a hope center, inner city Knoxville. We're looking at South Aquifer. We're talking to a wonderful brother about partnering to build churches in India. We've used, we're we're looking all over. And so instead of one place that everybody's focused, we're saying, hey, this is where we're looking. Also this year, We'll use Heart for the Harvest to pay off the building that we moved our North Knoxville campus out of the Expo Center Portable in the Trinity, Trinity's building in, in North Knoxville. We're, we're uh, leasing it for two years. End of the two years, we're paying for it, $1.7 million cash. Unbelievable deal. We'll do that out of Heart for the Harvest this year. But this is why I want to challenge you. I want you to listen, because a lot of people think, well, what's going to happen at my campus? Okay. If we had that attitude, we'd only have Pellissippi. That's what we'd have. And we would be capped at what we could do. And so instead of running 7,000 this weekend, we'd be running about 4,000. But we'll running 7,000 because Pellissippi's heart was, we're going to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. And because we sacrifice, there's a blunt and a north. And so... At all of our campuses, every promiser has to have that same attitude that I want to advance the gospel, that I want to surrender up, and I want to be a part of making it hard to go to hell. So every day in my quiet time, I'm thinking, okay, God, I get to pastor one of the greatest churches in America. There are about 15,000 people. There are millions of dollars and tens of thousands of hours of ministry every single week. And so how do we leverage all of that gifts, all of those resources, how do we leverage Leverage that for the greatest impact in the kingdom of God to touch, to touch hurting people, little boys and girls this morning who never been in church. You don't know that anybody loves them and had no idea about God. Who feel rejected and neglected. Somebody's going to bring into a faith promise kids ministry. They're going to be born again and they're going to get hope and healing and direction. There, come on, there, students. There are students who are being passed around, who are in the backseat of somebody's car, who have been forsaken and forgotten, who feel like nobody loves them, who feel like they have no value. They're going to come here and find out that Jesus loved them and he died for them. They're going to be saved. They're going to be called. They're going to be discipled. And they're going to make an impact in the kingdom of God families that are fragmented, people that are stuck on drugs and alcohol or success and status and and that are chained up are going to be delivered and set free. Why? Because we're advancing the agenda of God in East Tennessee and around the world. That's what we're doing, maximizing the ministry. Now, many of you have heard uh, the know a little history and know a little about warfare, have heard the name John Paul Jones. And John Paul Jones was the captain of the Bonham. And he fought Richard Pearson, who was the captain of the Serapis. And in this major, furious battle that was going on, the, the Bonham was badly hurt. And so Pearson sent and, and asked... Richard and asked John Paul Jones to surrender his vessel because it was going to sink. And John Paul Jones sent back this message that every one of you have heard. John Paul Jones said this, I have not yet begun to fight. And ultimately a few hours later, he had defeated the Serapis, and Richard Pearson himself surrendered. They all transferred onto the Serapis and the bottom sank. But I tell you that story to ask this question. Why is it that we fight so hard not to surrender a sinking vessel? Now, let me ask you a question. Are these vessels you call bodies, that we call bodies, are they sinking vessels? If you're over 50, you completely understand. They're sinking vessels. Things that used to work don't work. Now you wear glasses where you didn't used to wear glasses. Things you used to could hear, you can't hear anymore. Muscles that used to be big or sagging. You have understood the power of gravity if you're over 50 years of age. Are you with me? So we got these sinking vessels, and yet we fight so hard not to surrender. Now, are we all headed for eternity? We're either going to spend eternity in heaven with God are we're going to spend eternity separated from God called hell. How many of you would agree the best deal on the planet is surrender up to God? Would you agree with that? Now, see, we all clap. But the key is many of us are still fighting against God. And let me tell you how. We all know. Come on. Do we know the Bible says that you should tithe? Do we all tithe? No. See, we don't trust God enough. We're fighting God with our finances. We're fighting God in surrendering areas. Does this make sense? And listen, see, we know we fight the devil, right? But now when you're fighting God, what does that put you in? A crossfire. Have you ever seen a cowboy movie? The worst place to be is a crossfire. So the quicker we surrender, the better life is. Would you agree with that? All right, four of you. Come on, now we're talking about money. You're backstroking. I was training group of pastors, about 12 guys that came to Faith Promise for a couple of days of training. And all of them churches, between 1,000 and 2,000. And they said, but, but Dr. Stevens, we hate to talk about money. I said, why do you hate to talk about money? Because nobody in our church wants to hear about money. I said, that's bull crap. They talk about money all week long. They love to talk about money. They don't want to talk about giving money. They want to talk about getting money. I said, but who cares if they don't like it? Who, listen, if you preach money and people leave the church, people leave that are not giving, not serving, they're pew potatoes. And I'm talking to some spuds here. I'm, oh, come on now. Are you with me? Come on, somebody help me right here. And, then, and so and I said, listen, Jesus always dealt with money. Don't be afraid of money. Everybody loves to talk about money. And so the, the key is, I just put that as a small caveat in this issue of surrender. Does this make sense? So Jesus deals with it. Mark's gospel, actually, to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this exact same paragraph is in all three of the, all three, the first three gospels. He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said that anyone wishes to come after who? Me, Jesus. He must do what? Deny himself. Is that difficult in our self-centered, narcissistic, me-first world that we live in? I think it's always been like that, but never like today. It's just horrible, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Deny himself. Take up his and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will do what? See, if you refuse to surrender, if you're trying to hang on to your stuff and your life, and you're you're going to lose it. But he said, whoever loses his life for my sake and the what? The gospel's sake, will save it. If you'll surrender, you'll receive it. But if you fight it, you'll lose it. That's why, but we're so, we're so programmed to fight it. For what is a profit a man to gain the whole world to be Bill Gates and Warren Buffett combined to have $200 billion and lose his own soul? For what would a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever's ashamed of me, Jesus said, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, and there's no question our generation was worse than Jesus's when he was here. Would y'all agree with that? The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, Jesus speaks these words of surrender in the midst of Peter, stepping all up into some stupid. I love Peter. Peter makes me feel better about me. Does he make you feel better about you? Because Peter says stuff we all want to say and ask questions we all want to ask. The other disciples were almost dumb. They were afraid, but no, not Pete, buddy. He'd rush boldly into stupidity. and it makes me feel better about me because I do that all the time. It's a spiritual gift for me. might not be yours, but it's mine. So why does Jesus give this discourse on surrender? Because Peter has just blundered. Let us let, go back. Good. Now we're going to go back to the verses before the ones I just read to you. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must do what? Suffer many things, be by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be. And after three days, he's going to do what? And he was stating the matter plainly. He was telling them, hey, guys, they're going to crucify me, reject me. I'm going to die in three days. I'm out of there. And so when they when they were bringing when they were bringing anointing stuff to the, on Easter they should have been bringing biscuits, hardies, and Peter took him aside. Now look here, watch this, watch this. If you're listening, say I am. He took Peter aside and began to rebuke him. Pete is rebuking the Son of God, the Creator, the Sustainer, and the Redeemer, Jesus. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. I like Pete, don't you? So he began to rebuke Jesus, oh, for a video of Pete, the pathetic, rebuking the son of the most icon, but turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Now, listen, this is so critical. He said, get behind me, Satan, because Peter had not surrendered his self and his stuff up to Jesus, Watch, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on who? Amen. See, he rebukes Peter and calls him the devil because he was not focusing on the will of God, but on his own will. Do we do that any today at faith promise? Oh, yeah, I can't give. Well, I can't serve, I'm too busy with ball games. In athletics and academics and making more money and I got to take care of my yard and wash my car I got all this stuff you don't understand I can't go to small group I can't be discipled I can't get involved with the kingdom of God I'm too busy does that sound like God's interests or your interests I know you're out there hear y'all breathing <laughs> see we love stuff that's we, we love stuff that's philosophical not practical See, we love that he's slamming Peter and calling him the devil, but when that mirror gets lifted up, and I'm not a giver, and I don't serve, and I don't do, and I don't do because I'm too busy with my stuff, then I have set my mind and my interest on my stuff and not on God's stuff. Does this make sense? So let me ask you a question Whose interests matter more? Yours or God's? You're not sure? Okay, there's two choices. Yours or God's. Whose? Okay, God's. Now, now the deal is we might not lose the anointing because all the other services have lied right here. At least y'all didn't say anything, guys. <laughs> you're thinking, I'm not sure of the right answer, and I'm not sure what he's gonna get me. And so I mean, I, yeah. See, this is the reason the kingdom of God is declining in America. Because we go to church on Sunday or Saturday, and that has nothing to do with Monday. It has nothing to do with how I manage my money, nothing to do with how I manage my marriage, nothing to do with me being involved in ministry, nothing involved with me surrendering up to God because I am consumed with me and my kids and their agenda and our agenda and my work agenda. And one day somewhere, maybe when I retire, I'll take care of God's agenda. And Jesus said, get behind me. For you have set your mind on your stuff and your agenda and not on mine. See, it's amazing how practical this Bible is. Maybe that's why we don't read it as much. See, if you're on the Bible reading plan, you just finished Jeremiah and you're in Lamentations. And Jeremiah, he's blistering the nation of Israel to repent because Nebuchadnezzar is about to destroy Israel and take them captive. But they don't believe him. They believe the false prophets. And they are taken captive, and he sends the whole book of lamentations, weeping over the fact that the people of God have been destroyed because they wouldn't obey God. And the problem in America, and the problem of faith promise, is there's just not enough fear of God anymore. Is anybody with me? So come on. So, so heart for the harvest, heart for the harvest is funding the kingdom. By the way. This year flowers is good. We're gonna start two more God behind bars, one at Bledsoe Women's and one in Morgan County. That'll give us three. That'll give us three. And so that's and so hard for the harvest, it's about funding the vision, it's about setting our minds on God's interest. And so the same calling that was on Peter's life is on our life. And that is he that would lose his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will find it. And we are gonna make an impact. We're gonna make it hard to go to hell. We are gonna keep building and adding seats and services and sites. We are gonna keep moving and grooving. We are gonna keep rocking. We're gonna make a difference. But the only way that will happen is that we surrender up ourselves up unto the, the God that we love, that we surrender our money, that we surrender our dreams, that we surrender all that we have and say, "God, it is yours." But here's the key to walk in this deal. Surrender is harder than fighting. And so we find ourselves fighting God to obey, fighting God to surrender. Is this making sense? I love what Rick Warren said. Instead of trying harder, you got to trust more. See, if we trusted more, wouldn't we surrender more? So, so Peter asked another question. I love this. And you would think that Jesus would bash him for this question, but he doesn't. He just answers it. In, In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, Peter said to him, Behold, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. What do we get? Have you ever asked God, what do I get? Come on, be serious. Don't act spiritual, of course you have. Lord, what do I get? And Jesus answers in the next verse. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left houses or brothers or sister, mother, father, children, or farms for my sake and for the whose? Gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in this present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, farms, along with persecutions. We leave this word out, because this is the deal. If you're gonna live godly in Christ, in Christ Jesus, you're gonna shine the light into the darkness and the darkness hates the light. And I'm telling you that our government, and I've, I've talked some people that are high level government, they are right now writing the laws that'll make it illegal for you to share your faith anywhere except in this building. It's already working its way through. We got an election coming. And I'm gonna tell you what drives me and the election is coming, is the unborn and the judges that will be placed on the bench. So it drives me. So it drives me. It, it, and so, listen, we can, we can just be fat, dumb, and happy. Matter of fact, do you know that it is illegal for a United States chaplain in the military to share his or her faith? They will be dishonorably discharged. If a chaplain shares with Jesus to a soldier that's not a believer, they will be discharged. What did they hire him for to begin with? But see, while, listen, listen, while we sit idly silent, America, we are losing our privileges. And it's happening under our noses, not our grandparents, it's happening right now. And so, you better, get, you better get your head out of the sand and see what's going on out here. And you say, how do you know that? Because I've talked to the people that are in the rooms writing. I was with guys this week writing the laws. And they said, listen, what the church doesn't understand, we've lost most of the battles they hadn't even begun to fight yet. Because, smart, because lost people, Jesus said, are more shrewd than children of light. They're already ahead of us. While we sit and worry about me and my four and no more, They're creating America that they can kick God out of. And listen, and this will be illegal if some people have their way. See, we love everybody, but everybody doesn't love us. And we're to keep loving everybody, but we better stand up. Better stand up. So just, man, that's that's free. (laughs) I don't know how we got there. I said I wasn't going to do it. I lied. Surrender is always rewarded, and sometime even on this side of heaven. But I'll tell you this: so many Christians I don't understand why I don't have any joy and victory. Because you live in the mirror. And as long as you are always focused on my problems and my deal, man, life is hard, and I don't understand. And man, look and look and look at me. How can you ever have joy when all you do is sit around and have a pity party? Get your focus off in yourself and look at some other people, what they're going through. I saw right here in the service before this one, a couple bring their child that is severely, severely handicapped. And I watched all the people in that section weep as they were watching people anoint that child with oil and pray for healing. Now, there are people that are struggling with issues. Listen, the fact that your boss was mean to you this week, grow up and put your big boy pants on and get your eyes off yourself. And listen, look at people that we can love and help. Dang. my goodness see we don't surrender to receive the American dream but to advance the kingdom of God you were saved to advance God's kingdom are you with me if you think you were saved just so that you could be blessed and you could get more you don't know anything about the Bible you were always blessed to be a blessing see our goal our goal is not retirement our goal is surrender because the more we surrender the more we see Jesus lived it Look at look, the most surrendering verse in all the Bible, Mark 14, 20, 36. Abba, Father, Daddy, Dad, Daddy, all things are possible for you. God, you can do anything. Would you remove this cup from me? What cup is he talking about? The cross. The death, paying for our sins. God, you can do anything. God, you can remove this cup, Lord. You can remove them stripping my skin off. You can remove the fact that I will be crucified and mocked and beaten. But, oh God, not what I want. Not my will, but your will be done. And a surrendered life is, God, your will be done immediately right now. God, use me. Use me. Use me in this offering. Use me in ministry. Use me however you want because listen a surrendered life is a joyous spirit filled overcoming life but see your flesh wants to be first so it will lie to you and say the more you get the happier you'll be and most of you got a lot more than you used to have are you happier did 1,000 more square feet in your house make you happier no it's more crap to clean Did that boat and that motorcycle and that car make you happier? No, it's more insurance you have to pay for. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a bigger house. There's not. There's nothing wrong with having a boat. There's nothing wrong with having that stuff, as long as that stuff doesn't have you, as long as you're surrendered up and everything you have is a tool to be used for God. Your house is a place for a small group. Come on, three people. I got a, I got a couple grunts. <clears throat> See, the question is this. Listen. Do you trust God or do you trust you? See, if you're not a tither, you don't trust God. You trust you more than you trust God. Because you believe you can do better with God's 10% than God can do with you when you give it. You said, understand, Chris, I don't, you don't understand I can't make it. Neither could we. We spent 10 years so poor we couldn't pay attention. We didn't have a cup to pee in or winner to throw it out of. Man, we were so broke, we didn't have insurance, we couldn't pay for groceries, and we were given 20% because we were called to advance the kingdom of God, not to stuff money in our pockets. Now, did you hear a hallelujah right there? Not one. Because, see, this is the part we don't like, and I absolutely don't care that you don't like it because I want you to be blessed and have a life that impacts. And when you stand before God, do you know how I'll get my well-done, good, and faithful servant? By you getting yours. And as your pastor, when I've helped you get yours, I'll get mine by watching. As you line up and Jesus said, well-done, good, and faithful servant, you surrendered. You love me. You lavish your worship and everything on me, and I'll be standing there weeping in heaven. And the Lord will look in this week. Here's another one, Chris. There's another one, there's another one, there's another one. That's my job. Listen, man, I, I don't care what's in the offering at the end of this month. It could be 10 me, it could be $10. What I care about is you surrender up to the Lordship of Jesus and walk in victory. Because here's, come on, somebody help me. Because here's the deal the more you surrender, the more you see. Do you know why I'm so fired up every day? Do you know why for 34, 35 years of ministry, I get up, rock and roll, and people say, Chris, how do you not burn out? How do you stay so excited? Because I have a vision that gets me out of bed. I have a vision that drives me. I have a vision that pushes me. I have a vision that drives this congregation. God is leading us, and, man, it is worth getting out of bed. It puts fire in my gut. Come on, you want some fire in your gut? Get some vision for your life. Without a vision, the people perish. They're unrestrained. They're willy-nilly. They just wander about lost. Man, get a vision, and you'll get some joy of Jesus. Are you with me? Come on, get some vision. How much do you see of the Tennessee that God sees? How much do you get? You get all you want to get. And I believe God sees a Tennessee changed and transformed by a local church. Who has completely surrendered to the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the gospel and the kingdom of God. Now, hey, here's the deal it's a lot safer at the bottom of the mountain. If you missed last week, it's message, you get it. It's safer at the bottom, but the view from the top. Those of us that climbed the mountain with Jesus, it said Jesus climbed the mountain, his climbing companions climbed with him, and there he gave the Sermon on the Mount. The view from the top of the mountain is spectacular. Spectacular. I love what Helen Keller said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight and having no vision. Come on. See, fighting God is part of our DNA, isn't it? We've all done it. We all do it. Like John Paul Jones fighting Richard Pearson. Now, he fought Richard Pearson, and his his survival mode made him win. But when it comes to God, the quicker you surrender, the better life will be. Let me give you one quick story and I'm done. In 2 Kings, Naaman almost missed a miracle because of his pride and self righteousness. 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman was a captain of the army of the king of Aram. He was an enemy. He was a great man with his master, highly respected because of him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. Because of the sin of Israel, God had let the Armenians defeat them. The man was also a valiant warrior. This guy was a decorated war hero, medals on his chest. But he was a what? He was a leper. Then their minutes had gone out, the bands that had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. Now, she's a teenager, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She is a slave stolen from her family. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were the prophet in Samaria. Because if he were the prophet in Samaria, he would cure me of leprosy. Naaman told his master, saying thus and thus the girl spoke. And so the king writes a letter of Aram to the king of Israel, said, hey, is this my, this my boy, man, boy, my... It's my blood right here, man. It's Naaman, and and Naaman is bad, and he is kicked out. I need you to heal him of his leprosy. And the king tore his clothes, and he said, he's looking for another fight. Man, he's freaking out. What am I going to do? Nobody in Elijah knows what's going on because he's the man of God. He sends a note. Tell the king, chill out, king. Just send the dude over here. I'll heal him. There's a God in Israel. Quit whining. Now, I love Elijah because he's got the spiritual gift of a smart aleck. (laughs) And I got some of that. It may be a shock to y'all. <laughs> I know some of you are no, Pastor, not you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I can do it. Ask Michelle. And so, and so he says, go to, the, go to the prophet. So he shows up with his entourage. He climbs off with his robes and his medals and he, he rolls up to the front door. And Elisha sends his servant Gazi. I say, hey, man, go out there and tell him to go baptize himself seven times of the Jordan. He'll be healed. He didn't get up out of his recliner. He's reading his scroll. He didn't have time for this heathen. And so, man, Naaman is furious because Naaman is the dude. He's the man. He's the bomb. Everybody bows when Naaman comes in. He's somebody. He's a big dog. He's a big hay's head hog at the trough. And so he rolls in there, and he's furious. He gets on his chair, and he's leaving. He says, I came in with fury. And his servant says, Oh, time out, boss. Listen, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If the prophet would have come out and done some hoogie-boogie over you, what's well, a Hebrew word, hoogie-boogie? If he had done some hoogie-boogie over you and healed you, you'd have been fine. Or if he would have sent you on some Aaron, you'd have done that too. All he said was go baptize. What get it heard? He said, man, the rivers of Aram are far prettier than the Jordan, and they are because the Jordan, we would call a creek, they call it a river. You can't see the bottom of it, so it's dirty. He said, I don't want to go. But he said, okay, I will. So he goes, and I've watched people do this in Israel. God guy dunked seven times, comes up, Bible says his skin was like a baby, and he said, oh, crap. I was wrong. He goes back to Elisha's house. And he says, pardon me, can I have a word with the prophet? And he bows, he says, oh, man of God, I was so wrong. There's only one God. He's the God of Israel. He's the only God that can heal, and I am so sorry. I am so sorry. He said, I've got all this gifts of silver and gold, and Elisha, Elisha said, I don't need any of that. He said, then, can I ask for one thing? Would you give me a box of dirt so when I go back home and I bow my knee in the temple of Nimrod, I would be bowing on Israeli soul, and I'll be raising my hand to the God of Israel. And he said, oh, yeah, that'll be fine. Gotta be fine. See, Naaman's problem was not skin deep. It was heart deep. He was self-righteous and arrogant and prideful. And we're about to give you an opportunity to go to one of these stations to be prayed for and healed. Many will be healed. Everybody won't, but many will. And some of you will sit because of pride. Do you know what? Those that surrender, see more. Those that surrender, receive more. Those that surrender, get more. So as all of our campuses, our prayer team, if you'll make your way to all the stations, all over every campus, there at every row, at every campus, there's about a dozen at Pellissippi, and our praise teams, get ready. Let's just go ahead and stand. God, we ask you to move right now. We ask your healing power of Jehovah Rapha to touch people struggling, that little boy in the last service, oh, God, God, would today be the day that little boy is healed. And other people, God, would you heal today, miraculously, supernaturally, as we obey James chapter 5 that says, call the elders, anoint with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal. God, would you move in this hour, in Jesus' name.